As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Let's get this started with the reviewer of the week, who is Mama3285. Does that mean you're 32 and was born in 85? I don't think so. No. Okay. She says, my second birth was magical. I can do math, you guys. That's I was just doing it incorrectly in my head, okay? Uh, mag- my second birth was magical. Thanks to this podcast, I experienced the most magical birth with my second baby. I don't know if there's any greater compliment than that, experiencing a magical birth. Because you listen to the podcast, I love this so much. My first birth was unmedicated, but I wouldn't exactly call it a quote-unquote natural birth. After getting pregnant with my second, I found this podcast and I binged every episode, sometimes twice. I wanted to be prepared for delivery this time around and I was not disappointed. Thanks to all the info and encouragement, I was able to have a two-hour precipitous labor and I never once felt out of control, which is huge because you guys, if you've had like a fast labor you know that it can feel very out of control. So I love it. To me, that tells me that you knew exactly where you were every step of the way in that birth. And I love it, love it, love it so much. She said, my baby came out in two pushes and call, which means born in the call. That was my experience. Two pushes and a baby born in the call. Of course, mine was not two hours. I had four and a half hours of pushing. So good for you. This is awesome. (laughs) She says, I owe so much to these ladies and the way that they informed and empowered me to reach my goals. I still come back to listen weekly because I am just such a fan. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for following along. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the review. If you're listening and you have not written a review yet, will you please head to Apple Podcasts, find Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast, scroll down to where it says write a review, 
click the stars, leave an awesome review, and I would love to read it here on the podcast. Uh, I Sometimes if I'm like just feeling down, I will just go and look at the reviews and remind myself that yes, the work that I'm doing is good, that this is useful information, that you women, you need this and we get to support each other this way. So this is awesome. Um, I love it though. It's I, You guys have heard me talk about it before. It's podcast put into action. So don't just listen, like do the things that we talk about. It's definitely worth your time. All right. I, I don't know why, but things come in waves. That's just the way that things work. And recently I've been receiving a lot of questions about group B strep, which is fine. That just means that I want to talk about it a little bit more. So I know that when I start getting a lot of information or a lot of questions about a topic, that's usually when I bring it to the podcast, if it's not something that has been requested. So a lot of questions around group B strep or GBS lately. And so I think it's probably time to dive back into this. Um, I'd say probably the most common concern or question that I get is, I just found out I was group B strep positive but I really wanted to have either an unmedicated birth or I wanted to labor at home for a ton of time before I head to the hospital. And now I'm feeling like I'm not gonna be able to have the birth that I really desired. It's gonna mess up my plans. I'm gonna be at the hospital too long. They're gonna do all these interventions. It's not gonna happen how I want it to. So that is a valid concern and here's why. Because when you find out you are group B strep positive, What's recommended is that you receive antibiotics. I'm going to go into different options. I'm going to talk to you about group B strep. So hold on here just a second. But the thing with the antibiotics is they want you to be at the hospital at least four hours prior to pushing out your baby into this world because they want to do at least two rounds of those antibiotics and they do them four hours apart two rounds because that's where you're getting the maximum benefit from these um, antibiotics. So let's talk about this. I'm going to bring it back and I'm going to talk about what GBS is. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's probably because you're either not pregnant or you are early pregnant and you haven't had this conversation with your provider yet. The group B strep is usually something that is tested anywhere from 35 to 38 weeks. It's most common 35 to 37 weeks, but anywhere from 35 to 38 weeks, you can be tested for group B strep and it'll tell you if you are GBS positive or GBS negative. So what is group B strep? It's a bacteria. It lives in the vagina and rectum. You may or may not carry it and it is totally normal, natural, fine bacteria unless you test positive for it and then that can be transferred onto your baby and the concerns are that since it can be passed during birth um, there could be like really extreme and I'll get into kind of how like the percentages and things in a second but a very very small percentage can have a very extreme response to becoming infected and that includes things like sepsis or meningitis or pneumonia um, deafness developmental disabilities Um, and so when we talk about those things you know they sound big and scary because they are and it's a possibility but there's there's let's talk about a little bit more about what happens so we've got the gbs that we're talking about. This is what it is. Now I want to talk to you about the testing. I want to talk to you about um, some of those percentages that we talked about. I want to talk to you about your options, whether or not antibiotics, all of that. Here's the thing with the testing. 
moms and, and it's why it's controversial so moms can test positive one week and negative the next in other words you can test positive at 35 weeks you can test negative when you're giving birth and vice versa the truth is you can test negative at 35 37 38 weeks and be positive during birth and so there's been a lot of talk of like we need to have a rapid test so we can test moms during labor so we know who actually needs to have the medication and who doesn't and I'll get into why some women might not want the antibiotic and why this kind of becomes a conversation but that there's this conversation of should we have this rapid test and so far they're just not available everywhere and used as like this is how we do this test that's not it hasn't been approved for that um and made readily available here's the thing since because there is this this opportunity for it to be positive or negative one week or the other um what moms don't know is you don't have to be tested now let me preface this because i know i know i'm going to get some backlash here because i do say things (laughs) that get some people upset my big thing is informed consent, your rights, your options. I am not telling you to do anything one way or the other. And I'm not a medical provider and I'm not your medical provider. So let me be really clear about that. I am giving you information. What you do with that information is totally on you. I think it's fair that you have all that information though. This is the information that I want as a mother so I can make my own choices. You don't have to get tested for group B strep. That is true. You can absolutely deny this test. Um, the backlash is going to be because, oh, you know, now I'm putting all these mothers in danger. That's not true. I'm not telling you not to get tested. I'm telling you you have the option to get tested or not. For example, if you know, well, even if I test positive, I'm not going to be getting the antibiotics. Well, then why do the test? Like if you've, if you've already looked into it, you've read studies, you've done research and you feel really good about not getting those antibiotics no matter what, then I don't know why you would need the test however if you're like but I'm curious anyways or I'd like to get the test and then I'll make my decision then get the test um if you you know you trust your provider and you just want to do safest thing for your baby and that's what you feel is safest for you and baby then get the test like this it's just up to you and I think that really matters so I'm going to talk for a moment about how likely baby is to get group B strep now the important part is when we talk about percentages Number one, percentages can be tricky for a couple of reasons. It's how the information is presented. Number two, percentages are just that. They're percentages. And the truth is, no matter what happens, it's going to be to your baby. It doesn't matter which percentage side they fall into. And us as moms, we have to deal with the consequences of that. So there's a lot of, I can talk numbers all day long, but it really matters what mom, what you're going to choose for your baby. You need to have the right to do that and the responsibility of it. So that's just where that's at. But let's talk numbers because the numbers matter. Um, There's, you know, over three and a half million babies that are born every year. Of those three and a half million babies, 930 get early onset of GBS. And I'm going to actually include, there are CDC, everything that I'm linking to is evidence-based. So I will include the CDC information and the links in this episode. Um, But to be a little more clear about the percentage, that's 000 or 0.00025% of babies that are born will get this early onset. And of that small percentage of the 0.00025% of babies that get GBS, the early onset, um, four to six percent of those babies will die from this. And so um, that's two to three of every 50 babies that get it. 
that get the early onset, which comes from that 0.00025%. That makes sense. So it's a very, very small amount of babies. But when you're talking to a mom that's had this happen, do you understand where I'm talking about? It's not just about the percentage. Um, it really comes down to what what mom and baby, and, and it's a very personal decision here. Um, premature birth, meconium aspiration, SIDS, all those kinds of things are obviously going to have like a much greater risk when we're looking at this. And why am I talking about this? Because when we say a mom's GBS positive and we start antibiotics, there are other things that happen from doing something like antibiotics during labor. And that's why it becomes such a big conversation for such a small percentage um, thing like this. So anyways, I think that's really important to know. I think those are, I, if you're interested in having this conversation with your provider, I say absolutely do it. And you can pull this CDC information directly from the show notes. So that's myessentialbirth.com forward slash podcast. Go to this podcast um, and you'll click down at the bottom and there will be a link and you can use that CDC information for you. I think no matter what, it's a really good conversation to have with a provider. This is the kind of stuff that I love doing. Like this is what I was interested in when I was having my babies. Tell me how important this thing is. <laughs> I want to talk about it. Um, so you have the option to protect with antibiotics, right? If you're like GBS positive, I'm really comfortable doing whatever I need to to make sure the baby doesn't have this. I would like to utilize the antibiotics. Okay, then you can have antibiotics during labor. Um, the doses are given four hours apart. And once you get to the hospital, you'll receive the first dose. And then you'll receive it every four hours until baby is born. So um, that first dose takes anywhere from about 45 minutes to an hour to administer. It's not super comfortable. Um, it, I know for a lot of moms, like it can sting or burn and it just doesn't feel great going in. But then as soon as it's removed, like they do like a flush. So they'll flush it with some water and then you can actually take the IV out or choose to have it in and um, just have the Heplock or have the IV in. And, and then you don't have to do anything again for another four hours. So and the thing about it is that first dose is over 85% effective. So if the concern is I want to get to my birthplace at a later time, now you have information that can tell you when you want to leave. Um, but I will say this. So even for moms who are like, oh, I you know want to spend all this time at home and I just want to get there basically in time to push, even if... That's the plan. A lot of times you're going to have a couple hours in the birth space before baby is born. Some of that is like natural due to adrenaline. Some of that is it's just the length of the, the birth, the labor, and what it's going to take to birth your baby. Um, there's all different factors involved. And so even when we're saying, which it is a lot more than counting contractions, right? Because people ask like, when should I go to the hospital? And if you're in the birth course, I want you to head to the cheat sheet. There's a cheat sheet. There's a flow chart. You can read all the things. But if you're just going off of contractions, that's not enough, right? So we say, well, if you want to do a lot of your laboring at home, then we recommend using 311, right? Contractions that are three minutes apart. So from the start of one to the start of the next, there's a three minute gap. They last for a full minute long. So once that contraction starts, it doesn't let go for a full minute. And you've been doing that for at least an hour. That's usually a good time to head to your birthplace. And then you still should have a little bit of time to go once you're there. Because you want to you have time to kind of settle in. And you don't necessarily want to be walking into your birthplace ready to push your baby out. Maybe you do and maybe that's totally comfortable. But it's okay to have a little bit of time there to get relaxed and comfortable and into your space and then birth your baby as well. So even just following that 311, right? But the other side of that is timing contractions is super awesome and great information. 
but it's one piece of a much bigger puzzle. And I'm not talking about dilation because that really doesn't tell us anything. I'm talking about how mom is handling the contractions and how mom is handling them, um, knowing that she's had some practice in how to work through them. So not, I don't know what's going on with my body or how long I'm going to be in this and I can't handle it anymore or not the like suffering kind of handling it. It's, is she like happy-go-lucky even though they're three minutes apart? Like, is she still talking during and in between contractions? Um, you know, she's able to walk around during the contraction or in between. What does that look like for her? Or is she more like breathing? She's having to breathe deep. Her eyes are closed. She has to focus. She needs the lights dim. Um, she needs some counter pressure or some support. She's really looking like she's doing the hard work of labor. If that's where she's at and contractions are at 311, then that's a better indicator of when to head into the hospital. Okay, I didn't mean to get off on that little bit of a tangent, but to give you an idea of, you know, well, maybe I want to I want to get there in time to have that four hours. So I head in, you know, maybe I head in at 411. Contractions are four minutes apart instead of three minutes apart or whatever that looks like for you. So getting in there, knowing that it's going to take about an hour to receive those antibiotics if this is the route that you choose to go. Uh, the other question is, though, do I have to get the antibiotics or do I have to get all the doses of the antibiotics? And that's totally up to you. Um, you can also, just like you can refuse the test, you can refuse the antibiotics. You get to choose. You get to be mom here and you get to choose. And so if you choose not to do the antibiotics, what are the other options? So I will say that there have now been studies done and there is good information showing that women who choose a high quality probiotic during pregnancy and take it regularly have less of a chance of showing a GBS positive test. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't and it doesn't mean you did anything wrong if it does come up positive. So I want you to be aware of that. But if you are looking to avoid testing positive, a high quality probiotic is awesome. I know I've talked about it on here before. And there's been a lot of talk about like inserting garlic vaginally to have a negative test. If the goal is just to get a negative test, then that's one thing that women do. But it does not stop you from being GBS positive. So in case that in case you have questions about that or like I want that to make sense so you can, you know, trick the test with that. But that's if you're looking at the test to see if you're positive or negative, that's not a great idea. Um, it's It can give a negative test, but it won't tell you really if you're positive and um, that matters if you're trying to choose what you wanna do for your baby. So you can refuse antibiotics, you can use other things. Um, we talked about probiotics and even when you test positive, the thing is too, because you can test negative, it's not common practice that like if you test positive and you take probiotics, they won't test you again. So it's kind of this tricky thing. Like if you test positive once, they're going to treat it as if you're positive always. Um, and so you do have other options too, though. So you can like take this really good probiotic. Um, you can also use something called Hibiclens and I'll put a link to it. I, I put that in my stories recently so that you guys could see what that is. But it's an antiseptic and it is something that can... Um, it, it's chlorhexidine. Am I saying that right? Anyways, you wipe, it is wiped on mom's vaginal area every four hours and then it's used to wipe down baby. So we see this a lot with out of hospital midwives. This is an option that is given and moms can choose to do that as well. So HIPAA cleanse is certainly an option. Now, maybe you're wondering why moms would choose to not have antibiotics because wouldn't you for the safety of your baby 
want to have the antibiotics. And the tricky part about antibiotics is it's killing bacteria, but it doesn't discriminate. And so it kills good bacteria just like it kills bad bacteria. And along with it killing the bacteria for mom, it's also killing good gut bacteria for baby. And so sometimes what we see is having that antibiotic can create issues for mom and baby postpartum. So um, we do have studies that show that antibiotics affect the baby's gut microbiome. And that can cause things like thrush or a yeast infection postpartum. Um, And, you know, those are not fun things to have to deal with while you're trying to breastfeed. Um, And it also affects baby's immune system for more than a year plus. So anyways, there's there is some information behind it. There's some worry, some concern, um, and studies show that there are effects that happen. Everything we do, cause and effect, right? And so that is why some moms are choosing, like, wait, I don't know if I want to introduce this antibiotic into my system, into baby's system. Are we, you know, starting off on the right foot here? Another option, and we see this a lot more with um, out-of-hospital births, something that can disperse or cause the chance the risk of infection to be a lot less is actually having a water birth and so if a baby is born in the water the chances the risks of that infection happening actually become even lower so if you are out of hospital that's also an option if you choose not to receive antibiotics you don't need an IV or a heplock so I know that that's something that's attractive to moms um, I do like the idea of at least heplock though if you do choose to have the antibiotics, like at least you can just have the Heplock, you can detach from having the IV, which a lot of moms don't know because once you're you're in there and you've got the IV and I don't even know, maybe nurses aren't even thinking about offering if they can take it out or not, but you don't need to have the IV the whole time. So that's totally your choice, just like you can choose to have it or not at all. The great part about that is um, I know a lot of moms are worried about like, I don't want to be stuck on the monitors the whole time. And this actually does not increase your time on the monitors. Um, antibiotics are not like other medications that they give like Pitocin or um, an epidural or something like that. So, or like a narcotic. So you don't need to be monitored the whole time. You can still do intermittent monitoring. And that means you're on the monitors for 20 minutes and you can be off. So just like you can remove the IV, you get to remove the monitors. And then if your water breaks, so this is a big one, right? Like, ah, if my water breaks, are the risks for my baby getting this GBS infection a ton more? And here's the thing. With waters broken, the big risk for moms are vaginal exams because whether or not you're GBS positive, you have good bacteria in your vagina that doesn't belong in your uterus. And when you do a vaginal exam, even with a gloved hand and all of the like protective materials, it still pushes good bacteria into an area it's not supposed to be. So that's your greater risk for any kind of infection, any kind of uterine infection. So basically, here's the thing. You're going to come up to this GBS test. I want you to understand that you have options, whether or not you choose to take it, and then whether or not you choose to have the antibiotics, and understanding that there are other things that you can do, not only for prevention, but also um, should you choose to not have the antibiotics, there's other things that you can do, like Hibiclens or giving birth in water, or um, just other things that are going to be beneficial for mom and baby, but you still have some kind of power over, if we're GBS positive, this is how I would like to handle it. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop a new episode every week. 
And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.